when Dave and I visited Asia a number of years ago, we went shopping at this wonderful market that sold goods with brand names that we recognized, but it was a fraction of the cost. It didn't take us too long to realize that it was just the name, not the quality that had been reproduced. When we looked closer, we could find different issues that made us think, this isn't authentic, it's a knockoff. In some ways, these days, the church has come under similar inspection. Maybe we used to think we had it all together, but we have come to discover that just might not be the case. And what isn't grounded in the truth of God's word, secured on the foundation of Jesus Christ, well, that's shaking. Through this, you may have heard someone ask a question like this. If Christians really love Jesus, why do they say one thing and act like something different? That's today's question. Over the course of this series, we're going to be asking a couple of questions that maybe people who don't follow Jesus have asked you. Our goal through this is to be able to close the gap between people and Jesus. As we acknowledge the questions, recognize that sometimes we don't have all the answers, and where necessary, adjust our course. So, if Christians really love Jesus, why do they sometimes say one thing and act like something different? You have, may have heard that referred to as being a hypocrite. It looks good up front, but upon closer inspection, you discover it's not the real thing after all. This word hypocrite comes from the Greek word for actor, hypocrites. It means to wear a mask, which is exactly what Greek actors would do before they performed. From there, we get the word hypocrite, which means to put on an act, to pretend to be something that you're not. And this is the word that Jesus uses to describe the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. They had this thing whereby they insisted on everyone following the rules that they figured to be good for the people, except they didn't always hold themselves to the same standard as they did the people that they led. Their emphasis of the exterior made it appear like they had it all together, but upon closer inspection, there were cracks sometimes misguided interpretation, and certainly the, eleva the elevation of self placed over anyone else. Throughout Matthew chapter 23, Jesus accuses the scribes and Pharisees of leading people astray, straining out a gnat, but swallowing a camel, and then cleaning the outside of the cup and dish while the inside was full of greed and self-indulgence. Wow, what a list. But at the risk of feeling a little uncomfortable today, let's look at Matthew chapter 23 together. If you have your Bibles, grab them. 
I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example for they don't practice what they preach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and they never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside. And they wear robes with extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi for you have only one teacher and all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In the first century, common people didn't have access to the written word of God themselves. So they relied on the scribes. But when the oral tradition didn't get the Old Testament interpretation right, it placed undue hardship on the people and it didn't produce much fruit in the religious leaders either. You could say they were preaching or sorry, pretending to be something they really weren't putting on an act. Well, that didn't hold up well with Jesus. Not then, not now. So it's good that we prayerfully ask ourselves, how can I make sure my words and my actions align so that I can live an authentic life as a follower of Jesus, who will be the attractive aroma of Christ amongst those who are searching for something real, as opposed to heavy loads of do's don'ts. We learn a couple of things from Jesus' confrontation of these leaders that will help us better bridge the gap between people and Jesus. Not perfectly, not arrogantly, but authentically in love. First, the word must be our guide. We've already identified two groups that Jesus is talking about here, the scribes and the Pharisees. The scribes were these scholars of Old Testament law, and they would study and copy the law. They were said to be interpretive experts, and they didn't they determined the application of the law in everyday life. The Pharisees, they were the theological experts. And in verse 3, Jesus tells the people, practice and obey whatever they tell you. That sounds weird, right? Especially when we know a rebuke is coming. Why would he tell them to listen to what they say? Actually, they knew the scripture. And when scripture is accurately interpreted, it should be obeyed. The problem came when they didn't practice 
what they preached. They told people what to do, how to adjust their own way of living, pointing fingers at others. But they didn't let the scripture change them. They were more caught up with looking holy than they were with being holy. These tassels and the boxes or phylacteries, they were proof of that exact attitude. The phylacteries, they were interesting things. They were small leather boxes containing scripture verses. Very religious people wore them on their arms and on their foreheads. The larger, the better. The bigger these were, the more devoted they would look. And well, of course, that would impress people. The tassels, they were sewn on the fringes of their clothes to remind them to keep the law. Can you imagine the show? Do you know what? None of that got to the heart. And that's where God likes to concern himself the most. It's one thing to know the scripture. You can read it every day. You can memorize book after book after book. But unless we sit with it, let it challenge us and change us, well, we might be more like the scribes and Pharisees than we would like to think. The author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, The word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. We'll dig deeper into this next week, but the groundwork is this. God's word is living and active. That's what distinguishes it from any other book. God's word, it's not a weapon we use to point fingers at what other people are doing wrong. It is a way for us to understand who God is and how he's been working in this world since the beginning of time. It's an instruction book that teaches us about being real disciples of Jesus. And it's a promise book filled with hope. The scribes and Pharisees Jesus talks about here showed us that they didn't really get it. They lived behind the mask of knowledge and power, trying to appear perfect. Then they put the burden of the law on the people in the forms of regulations and rules, do's and don'ts. When actually the law was to be this feast of food and drink by which the people could thrive. But when that mask came off, they hadn't applied any of it to their own lives. They didn't let the scripture change them. Jesus's warnings to them ought to challenge us to contemplate how we might be in need of adjusting in our own lives so that we can align ourselves with the teachings of Jesus. Perhaps then we'll realize what these scribes and Pharisees would have done well to notice too. We don't need to be perfect. We're just a work in progress. The word of God must be our guide. Second, love must be the standard of authentic followers of Jesus. Love must be our standard. 
Another thing Jesus points out upon closer inspection of these scribes and Pharisees is that it was all about them. Listen to what Jesus said about them in chapter 23, verse 6. Listen to this from the message translation. It says, they love to sit at the head table at church dinners, basking in the most prominent positions, preening in the radiance of public flattery, receiving honorary, honorary degrees and getting called Dr. Reverend. It was all about them. Look at me. Look how good I am. That can turn people off, can't it? But listen to this exchange between one of these religious leaders and Jesus from Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the religious law asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Of all of the laws that are in their little boxes, sitting on their arms and on their foreheads, which is the most important of these? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You know, I wonder how different their leadership would have been if these religious leaders led from this place. If this was their ground zero love God and love others. What would have happened if they loved others as much as they seemed to love themselves? Instead of excessive man-made rules that no one could live up to, perhaps they would have seen how they could help others love others by serving one another, regardless of status guidelines, trading perfection for growth. They might not have recognized it, but Jesus was teaching them how to do this, to extend grace instead of judgment, to live sacrificially and selflessly, to act with mercy and compassion. It was a command, and it remains that way today. When people look at us and the church and ask, if Christians really love Jesus, why do they say one thing and act like something different? Perhaps one thing they aren't seeing is the demonstration of the love that Jesus expects us to give. Love that is patient and kind. Love that doesn't envy or boast. Love that isn't proud. Love that does not dishonor others. That isn't self-seeking. That is not easily anger. Love that keeps no record of wrongs. Love that doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. That always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wow. Our world sure can use a lot of that kind of love these days, don't you think? If we're to take off the mask and live authentically, we have to let scripture change us and let the love of Jesus be our standard. Finally, have a posture of humility. 
Having just come from Easter weekend, we've been reminded again of the selfless sacrifice Jesus made for you and me. There was nothing showy about what Jesus did. Sure, it attracted attention, but certainly not in a way as to gain some sort of glorified status with the religious leaders and the political leaders of the day. Instead, as Paul reminds us in Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This was God the man creator of all things, access to all of heaven, dying the most brutal and humiliating death for you and for me. And you know what God the Father did in response to the obedience of Jesus? He exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus modeled humility for us. Yet the scribes and Pharisees, with all the head knowledge they had about the law, they missed this. Instead of having a posture of humility, Jesus said, everything they do is for show. Again, Jesus reminds us that the kingdom he's come to inaugurate, it's an upside down, countercultural kind of kingdom. So guess what, Jesus says, those who exalts themselves, exalt themselves, they're going to be humbled. But those who humble themselves, they will be exalted. Seeking status, thinking of ourselves more than we ought, judging others and pointing fingers, that is not kingdom living. That's not how Jesus wants us to live. Instead, as we practice a posture of humility, we'll be following his example, serving others, loving others, and ultimately pointing others to Jesus. In Matthew 23, 13, Jesus begins a list of seven woes to these religious leaders and teachers. It says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. May that never be said of us, that we shut the door of the kingdom of heaven to people. We should be a hospital for those who are hurting and in need of Jesus. With the word of God as our guide, love as our standard, and humility as our posture, we can ask God to help us make sure our actions match our words. Here's an action step for you this week. Out of the three things we mentioned, mentioned today, what do you need to work on the most? Do you need to give God's word more airtime in your mind and in your heart? Or maybe you want to practice love this week and, and can think of someone who needs to be shown love. Or maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about taking on this posture of humility. Whatever it is, take action. Don't just listen to the word. Act. Let us be authentic in our relationship with God, aligning ourselves with scripture, showing love, 
and humility. So Father, we've heard your word today. I pray in Jesus' name that you will find us faithful to it. Let it not be just something we hear and turn away from, but instead let it be something we've heard and then it sits with us. And then Holy Spirit, as you work in us, if there's anything we need to do to change, then help us to make those changes. Help us to adjust our course as necessary so that we can close the gap between people and those who need Jesus. Lord, I pray that, that you will help us to be good examples of authentic Christian living, authentic, real disciples of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.